0: Checks. What is up, guys? It is Stu, and is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk Podcast. I have my friend and colleague Stephen Hick coming to me from the PNW area of the world, the Pacific Northwest. Steven and I had the chance to meet fuck, was it 2017, 2018 at the original Iron and Mortar?
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. So yep. that was a
0: business summit um that we both spoke at that sh- that year, and then we you know continuously went to annually after that. And um Steven was a guy who, again, when the second or third year that Art of Morta was, I remember you rolled up in your badass van, right? It had industrious <laughs> on it, work hard, live fit. It had the hammer and the sickle, which, by the way, I was in Boston, Massachusetts just a week or two ago, and I was checking in the Cross. I dropped in the CrossFit Southie. Two yeah. different women had your gear on and neither of them have ever been a member of your gym. They had dropped in over the years.
1: And oh, I thought that's that was
0: wild. Cause I recognize that hammer and the sickle or that, is it a sick What's the other tool? It's it's, a, it's, it's the axe. It's the axe. Hammer okay. And axe. Hammer and axe. Yep. I recognize that logo anywhere because you've done such a good job of branding. Um but I for everyone just listening, I've uh Steven's been on the podcast before we talked about RXPs.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, Beats RX, yeah, Beats
0: yeah. I apologize, Beats RX, yeah. and we've jammed before. So, but I, what I'm really interested to in, go back and listen to that podcast. I'll link it out below. Um, but I'm gonna just give Stephen the floor for a second, brother. Just give everyone the 90 second wrap up, kind of just you as a micro gym owner.
1: Yeah, so we started in 2011. It was just my wife Molly and I in a small 2,500 square foot gym. And, uh, you know, the, the stars sort of aligned rallying behind what was then, you know, the traditional CrossFit model and, um, you know, very authentic, very, you know, true to CrossFit, um, sort of waving the CrossFit flag as, as loud and as proud as we could. And, you know, over the years, we, um, we realized that, um, that that was great, but it had some things that we could see were going to be some issues downstream. And so we, uh, what were those for you? Cause
0: everyone we've, I've had yeah. that journey. A lot of people have, what were those kind of like, I don't see that as scalable or as marketable or digestible.
1: Yeah. For us, it was, it was just the, you know, I think that I, and having conversations with people that weren't already fully indoctrinated into CrossFit and already evangelical about it, they were looking at it from the outside and everyone had a different response about what they thought that it was in, you know, my, I do know brands well. And um, I do know one thing about brands is that brands are whatever you want to, you know, kind of design them to be, but really what they are, the reality is, is they're what lives in people's heads and it's different for everybody. And hearing all these different things, I'm like, okay, there's branding issues here that are inconsistent. And this is this is going to lead to, you know, some things that are going to be real challenges that CrossFit's going to need to get get around.
0: Are you mainly talking about it, what I always talk about, like that bipolarness of like CrossFit, the fitness methodology for anyone and everyone, and CrossFit, the sport for the lead, for the most elite in the world, like that bipolar branding?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it was it, it was becoming very, uh, you know, challenging to, uh, you know, I think that gyms like us that were very, you know, successful in competing in the games and Molly and I competed and you know we we were we were set up for success in that ecosystem because so much of you know your brand's legitimacy in that 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 old school raw CrossFit gym world of the games emerging was your legitimacy was validated by based off of whether or not you were participating and participating well in all of those those rituals that CrossFit was putting on. Yeah and okay
0: so to fast forward everyone there, because I know I kind of cut you off on that intro.
1: Yeah.
0: Industrious has been around since 2011. You kind of dropped the CrossFit during what year?
1: Yeah. So 2014, we moved away from it.
0: Okay. And now did you officially de-affiliate or you just dropped it in the naming convention? Correct. Dropped it in the naming convention. Got it.
1: So, okay. so, so that was 2014. We, we were big CrossFit, little Industrious. And we just flipped it. We went all industrious, work hard, live fit, no CrossFit on any signage, branding, website, any of that stuff. Awesome. Um, Because we wanted to stand on our own two feet. And I wanted to see what we were made of. I didn't want to ride along in the coattails anymore. I wanted to see if we we really had the stuff.
0: A hundred percent. And so you've got the two locations, Linwood and um, what's the other location?
1: South Lake Union.
0: South Lake Union. Okay. Yep. Um, so here we are, and you know, you and me are, are, you know, we're, we're, we're in the world. I'm still in the game. Back and this is 2017, 18, 19, 2020 hits, and we all have to pivot and do our thing. Now, 2019, I'm catching a lot of flack, and I'm, a, maybe we had talked about it at some point around then, but you know, I went, you know, I got rid of the rig. I'd gone with that in place model. I had the rings hanging down. Because I needed Urban Movement, which was no longer an affiliate. It, you know, I it would, I needed it to to look and feel different. I have Metabolic just crushing the scene down here in Charlotte. I had to stand apart. And there was a lot of, you know, a a lot of negative feedback to this in-place model. I had our logo, which was a square down. I went eight Mm -hmm. by six, so 48 square feet. And we had a very minimal model there from an equipment standpoint. We shrunk the barbell down, you know, got rid of all the the big things and equipment-wise CrossFit had. And I narrow it down and whatever, you know, I, I, you know, the whole retiring thing, I am where I am today, but I literally, you know, I see something recently and I see this, logo, this halo. And I see the halo games and in my so like, Oh, that's cool. That's a pretty cool name for a, a comp like that Steven's doing. Let me look at this some more. And then I go down the rabbit hole and I probably spent an hour looking at your ship. And I'm like, oh my God, <clears throat> Steven, during the pandemic switched to an in-place model and the halo, which is this amazing like bracket circle. If anyone hasn't seen the logo, just go check out, you know, uh, the workhardlivefit.com. Gorgeous website. Absolutely incredible website, my friend. Um, Thank you so much. And you went, I'm like, this dude is, he's got an in-place model. Fuck yes. You went 169 square feet, 13 by 13. So a perfect square. And if you would talk to everybody about this halo system that you've installed, which essentially is what we've seen yoga and spin studios do for 30 years, very successfully, which is an in-place model.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly. So the halos are, are super exciting. So when, when the pandemic hit, um, we, we were closed. We were, we were forced to close. And I told our team that when we open up, we're opening up with an entirely different business model because we're closed anyway. And I've always wanted to be in an in-place model, whether it be either a halo system, like a grid system, like what we're currently operating in, or some sort of lane system. But it was, you know, if we ever did that, we would have lost half of our members um, because they would have liked it the old way. And so it was almost not feasible to do it. But when the pandemic hit, we lost half of our members anyway. So I was like, to hell with it. It's so fucked up right now, we're, we're doing it. And uh, so we, we, we brought our staff in and we put you know uh, sort of a template on the floor And, um, and we put some hodgepodge equipment in it. And I ran them through a session on how I I, I felt like it could be. It was a 45 minute class whereas before we'd always been on an hour. And um, after we got done, we all looked at each other and we were like, was that better than what we've always been doing? And they were like, hell yes.
0: So what was it for anyone listening, you know, again, from an in-place model, like, okay, so all your equipment's in one spot. How is that any different?
1: Exactly. So here's how it's different. So so when we, when we reopened, we had hodgepodge equipment. It was all bootstrapped, right? And, um, and it was a mess. I mean, but it was enough equipment of, there was enough stuff in each one that we could run a system. It was run or row. It was ski or bike. And, and everybody had enough barbells and some weights. Um, and uh, in, in we surveyed our, our community, we were running it, people were loving it. We were loving coaching it, people were loving doing workouts in the system because it's so bang, 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 all your shit's right there. We can program a real class experience and do legit workouts that actually get people super fit and incorporate barbells and pull up structures and things that people do wanna do. And um, so so we were super fired up but none of the halos had pull up structures in them, nothing. Everything was coming from the floor. But we surveyed the community and they were like, yes, yes, yes. Outside of COVID, this is better. Don't go back. And uh, it was loud and clear on the survey. And so we said, okay, we're going to make a big investment, a big giant investment in equipment. And um, we're going to design the halos in a, in a dream setting. And we're going we're gonna to pursue it until we, 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 we can't pursue it anymore, whether we can't get the loan or we can't come up with it or whatever. But we're going all in and we're going to try and um, so we, we, we designed them. And the way that we designed them was so that every halo has a, a, an Assault Runner, a padded plyometric box that's 30, 20, uh, 30 by 24 by 20, um, a C2 not Assault Bike, floor space that is ironically enough 85 uh, square feet of floor space, which I'll get back to in a second because that validates your model, what you were thinking. And then uh, a set of weights, a bench, a rower, and then a pull-up structure that's four by four that you think is why would you take up that much space? But we do a lot of stuff in that four by four space that you wouldn't be able to do in a two by two space as an example. Yeah. And, uh, and on that pull-up structure, we have a wall ball shot, we have a pull-up bar, we've got four uprights that we can do creative things with and J-cups and lifting out of racks. And it's a, standalone, all...
0: it's a standalone rogue monster. It's, a, it's the yeah. RM4 rack, correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if anyone's yeah. not familiar, Google Rogue Monster RM4 Rack. I mean, it's you know, it's a beefy, fucking beautiful piece of equipment.
1: It is. They're, yeah, they are impressive looking, and um, and so we we laid them down, and um, and we started running the system. And and what we found is that everything was right on top of people, so we could like we can do a, a eight minute warm up that is legit, no bullshit get them warm, get them primed, get them ready to do the strength piece or the bodybuilding piece um, and then get them into, we'll just call it the CrossFit workout or the, the high intensity functional fitness piece and then get them into their accessory, high five and then class is over, next group's coming in. And, um, you know, for a lot of people that were used to our old system, because our old system was really, really good in that open floor plan, but not scalable. That was the thing. It's like, at what point does this forest run gump run end? And we just have to say, I can't, we can't do it anymore because I'm 55. And, uh, you know, it, it, so we, we, we knew that like our old model, while it was very good, it was still not scalable. And um, so we needed to, to, to make this commitment and, and to your point, A lot of people didn't like it from our old system. They left. They went to that more traditional CrossFit model. Um, And that was hard because these are relationships that we built over a long period of time. But we had conviction knowing that those people are fine. They're good. We helped them. We helped them accomplish their fitness goals and they're still going. But what we've done is we've attracted so many more people that are attracted to this model. And they're not coming in with, wrist wraps and sleeves per se and already like in the system they're coming in off of the street and they're like that shit looks fun and it looks effective and i want in because it looks it looks great and
0: um go uh, for anyone listening right now and you're driving don't do this while you're driving but imagine essentially what you did and so i also so so it's an in-place model but i i've referred to your this this idea in the past this is essentially how every collegiate strength and conditioning facility is set up. So Correct. like when, when you look at it, it's like, boom, it's like, well, that I mean, so when I was in college, I got into a lot of trouble and I was fortunate enough that the, uh, the Dean of student affairs and the athletic director played nice and they let me work off a lot of community service as a strength and conditioning coach in college. <laughs> but that was the thing is I had, you know, I had, uh, uh, two, six lanes, uh, three racks in each. And then I had to organize everyone, but it was, again, it was, it was tight operational capacity. And when I look at, you know, industrious now, it's like, this looks like a badass division one collegiate fitness center like weightlifting room, but with more of the commercial GPP kind of equipment spiel to it. Um, and it's just, I, I am so absolutely impressed. The couple of things I want to get into for everyone as we're going through yeah. this. So, all that equipment. What is the cost for one Halo from an equipment standpoint? Nine
1: thousand three bucks. Okay. Nine thousand three. <laughs> nine
0: thousand three. You got that down to the fucking dollar. Okay. So yeah. nine thousand three. What's your largest location? Largest location, South Lake Union. Okay. And how yep. many Halos do we have in that location?
1: We have 19 halos on the floor in South Lake Union. This facility is 60 by 100 and then it has a Mez, which is kind of frustrating because the Mez, even though the Mez is useful, we use it a lot and it's cool up here. Um, yeah. But the it takes away at least three more halos that could potentially be on the floor.
0: So. From an operational capacity standpoint, we have um, this building, 60 by 100, so everyone can do the easy math, a 6,000-square-foot building, and yep. we have 18 spots to sell every class. Um, okay, cool. I, get, I got that. Now, walk me through. The one thing is, with an in-place model that is generally every studio, like Spin has done a great job of it. Yoga, I still think it, it could steal from Spin. But Spin was the first model to prop the instructor up on a stage and give mm-hmm. elevation so that people could see. Because if you're you're all the way in the back and you're trying to look, I mean, you got to imagine, guys, if you haven't seen any images of Industrious, it's a 18 fucking monster ra- individual racks. That's a lot of metal and shit in the way. Have you yep. guys encountered that? Like, fuck, how do we get the instructor, like, visually, like, central so everybody can see what that dude's doing?
1: Yeah, so the first thing was is that – we've never been on the microphone. We've never mic'd our instructors up. And we knew that going into this model, we're wearing mics. Yep. And what's funny is like, and like, we're legit, like our coaches are good. Like they teach snatches, they're high skill. Like, you know, like we, we do all of that stuff really, really well. And I think that it was awkward at first for them to wear a mic because they felt like it was like not authentic CrossFit. Sure. And now- they, they They can't imagine
0: going back old school. Oh, they
1: wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. Yeah. They wouldn't do it. Just the amount of bracing that they have to do to project across the room. They're like, Oh, hell no. Give me a mic.
0: Uh, Every gym that I've got, that I've gotten to install like I get them to get a sure mic. you know, there's a brand called sure. Really good pack, whatever. And everyone is resistant. They're like, no, I feel like a spin instructor. This is fucking weak, blah, blah, blah. You can never go back to it. Otherwise, like I remember I had to jump in and coach a class towards the end of Urban Movement's uh, tenure, and I mean I coached two in a row or something like that, or two in a day, and I lost my voice because I hadn't been doing it forever. Like, there's none of that with a mic, um, right? Okay, so you went to the mic model, but you go at from a. Um, yes. So is that currently how that's like? So is it is there visually a way for everyone to see, or is that a difficult element to see a coach demo things currently?
1: it is a difficult element for people to see. So we have to rely on people's ability to see the person in the halo in front of them. And we're, we're lucky that most of our halos are full all the time. And so there's always that person that they can see. And you know, we let drop-ins come right in. Um, into the class because the halo puts them there where they're supposed to be, and, and it's intuitive, so they know they can follow along really well. And there's a number system on each rig, correct? You have a number, correct. so people
0: are picking a spot via the app. What member management software do you
1: run with? It's MindBody and FitMetrics um, was Allows an acquisition, p- MindBody. P- med- correct. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. mind
0: body, and then you pay extra. And uh, I understand, I know how much extra you pay on that. But, you know, guys, we're talking, you know, this is five to 600 bucks around their ballpark per month. They have fit metrics on top, but it gives you because yes. mind body alone does not have a pick a spot model, but with fit Correct. metrics, it does. Um, Correct. And then you also cool. get utilization rate data. You're able to see how much each class is at 70% utilization or 97% utilization.
1: Exactly, and Fitmetrics does a lot of cool stuff. Like if we like we've done heart rate monitoring stuff here before, we could we could instantly turn that back on with that technology. We can track where people are on their bikes or on their rowers and display it on our monitors if it, you know we wanted to. Um, but you know, to your point about building a stage, we're gonna do it. Yeah. because it, and people are going to look at it and be like, that's, that, that's, that's, that doesn't look normal, no. but we're, we love it. So a stage in front where everybody can see above a it, stage it, in
0: front or the only other thing I've seen. And it just, it adds a technological component that in my opinion is the first thing that's always going to go wrong, no matter how many times you've done it, is streaming the instructor on some larger televisions throughout the facility. But even when you do that, there will always be an angle in which the TV is not as visible or there's something to that effect. And then there's a tech issue that could happen. But at least if you elevate an instructor high enough where most people can see it, that might be able to resolve it. Are you guys thinking to throw in that center of the room, front of the room? What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, so we've got a total of six 70-inch monitors that go around our gym right now. Um, and so there's one sort of dead center that's like a, like picture like how an arena, um, like, a, you know, the Jumbo The, jumbotron the jumbotron Tron, yeah. In yeah. so that way you can sort of see it from that angle. And then we've got uh, two that are up front and then one that's up front and center. And that's like our announcements board. So that's where we're, you know, making promotions, announcements, um, things that are coming up. Um, and then the workout is displayed up on all the other monitors. Um, we're not currently casting the instructor right now, um, I think that that's something that we could potentially do and it would be valuable. Um, but, uh, but, you know, right now we're just posting the the workout of the day up there and we don't, yeah. we don't track workouts. We don't log workouts. We don't do any of that stuff. It's just, there's the workout. Um, and, uh, and then our, our instructors coach it.
0: Now, I'm just, uh, as a geek on operational capacity, I know that when you come up with this in-place model, we're talking some really neat numbers and, you know, um, yeah. 169 square feet, cool. It's a 6,000 square foot building, cool. The one thing people don't factor in, there needs to be breathing room or walking aisles for coaches to make their way up and down this grid, if you will. Mm -hmm. And there's gotta be enough. And at Urban, the very first rendition I did of it, we gave too much breathing room going East and West. I didn't give enough breathing room going North and South. And it was, you know, again, it's a learning thing. Have you found that kind of like that traffic pattern? Because the other thing you have to teach people when they're leaving, you know, and leaving the, the halos that they're going to class, they, you, it might make sense. Everyone go this way, but it's not. People like bumping into, like it can be a little bit chaotic.
1: Totally, yeah. And so we experienced that greatly in our Linwood location. There's no breathing room in that because that floor plan was set up for our old legacy system. And we opened up South Lake Union before COVID, but the, we got lucky in the sense that the uh, South Lake Union is a perfect rectangle. And so South Lake Union has a lot more breathing room. Linwood has none. And we run into those issues all the time that you're talking about and those pain points. And, you know, so just Linwood just needs to move to a different space. Sure. Um, and uh, but, you know, what we have in South Lake Union is that the halos do allow for um, that. There's there's egress and ingress in the halos, even though it doesn't look like it Um there's, there's little walkways basically in between the bike and the box that people can walk through them, um, east and west. And then north and south, um, we, we call it Main Street. That's, the, that's your to and from the back of the gym and then you can get into the halos um, that, that way. But a little bit more breathing room would be nice for sure. Um, but I yeah, I tell cool. you how
0: excited I am that someone else in this scene, like I uh, in my realm is given like validation to something I've been trying to scream on. And I'm I'm, I, honestly, I'm so happy at you because yeah. <laughs> you're like, no, everyone can be like, fuck that stew guy he swears too much. He's an asshole. But no one can say that. Stephen Hattie. He's the nicest dude I've ever met in this scene. <laughs> Bro, I like, let me ask you this, when you were going through all this, and you were playing with it, and your coaches, obviously, your coaches, the one thing I'll tell people when uh, I get asked, hey, Stu, I'm going to change up my model, in whatever way, maybe it's drastic, maybe it's minimal, and they're concerned that coaches won't be bought in. I tell them. Have you given, shown them historical evidence and a proof of concept that you know what you're doing, you've made changes in the past and it's going to be okay. And do they truly believe in you? Cause as much as you guys all went in and everyone's picturing you and your coaches are d this, like me and Deuce did it where we took blue fucking painters tape and we made our squares and practiced how many times and measured it out and laid the barbells different ways. At the end of the day, their belief in you is what's going to, and the brand and the mission is what's going to allow them to not bitch and whine and complain and, you know, talk to members on the weekends. Like, yeah, dude, Steven's lost his fucking mind. He's doing this like halo thing. Uh, fuck, I don't, I don't get it. Um, could you talk a little yeah. bit to the fact that why you didn't get like, you know, viva la resistance from your right. coaches going extremely against the grain from what a traditional model would be for a CrossFit micro gym strength and conditioning?
1: Right, well, I think that what was certainly helpful was that, um, you know, we, we had to work around social distancing and, and these regulations. And so the halos were a solution to it. And I felt like it was a permanent solution in case this thing just keeps going on and going on. If monkeypox becomes the next one or whatever, right? Like um, it, we can always go back to the limited um, operational capacity that the halos provide and still drive a really, really great experience. and. Yeah. So I had the luxury of having to work around these crazy challenges that helped my me get buy-in from my team. Um and
0: uh you think if you, you know, would have popped this idea up in 2017, it would have gone as smoothly with your staff?
1: I don't think so. I think it would have been really, really hard. I think there would have been, you know, several that were like, let's do it because you know, we're kind of burned out of the old system anyway, and, and change is exciting and invigorating, and gives us hope. Um And, uh, but there would have been a lot that were more traditional that would have, that would have done work on it. And by doing work, I mean, they would have just talked shit about it. And, um, and so, and and we still run into those issues, um, you know, to this day where people, they, they, they want to go back to that sort of traditional, you know, model or, or be in those, those types of gyms. And that's, that's fine. Um, But, you know, what we design, what the halos are, is there an answer to, the night we'll call it the 92% of people that come to a gym and actually keep the lights on. And it's it, it's a massive investment in those people, the people that want a great and consistent class experience with a robust schedule, with great instructors and good equipment, and in something that creates the environment that they want to keep walking back into, especially as they're trying to establish the habit of exercise, which is intense um and uh it, it's designed 100 percent with those people in mind now the eight percent that you know want to you know kind of come in and you know socialize the whole time and um and uh you know kind of uh you know talk right next to the people that are working out or you know walk on their hands through the class or those people they don't like it as much and that's that's okay um but the ones that just want to come in and they want to work hard and, and they're busy in life, so they, they, they just want to get it and, and, and head on out, um, those people are, are what the system was designed for, and it seems to be more attractive to more people.
0: And I um, I know this firsthand. Your uh, An in-place model suffocates – like literally there's no oxygen for the kind of people that want to set up you know, their comp train 19 exercise movement space. Like anyone who's listening to this that has a CrossFit or some version of a, a barbell-based group strength conditioning class, have you ever had anyone who's now self-elevated themselves to where your programming is not enough, I need something special, can I do work over here on the side? And they have all these things together based on whatever that programming is. And it takes up, I mean, like I've measured it before. I've had people yeah. at CrossFit South and take up 400 square feet. Yeah. Like you don't pay enough. Like there's not even you don't there's you don't pay anywhere near enough to take 400 square feet of my gym. Right. But in here, because of the halo and everything there, you can't get like stupid. I mean, you you can have all the variety for group like for a model like this, but Mm -hmm. you would probably have a hard time doing an Invictus 19 element fucking work thing, you know, because you would just need more space for that silly bullshit. But that's the great thing is your model kind of suffocates them and they have to go find somewhere else to go.
1: Exactly, exactly. And if, you know, the the one thing that, it, that is nice about them is if there is that one person that does want to do their own thing, whether it be like intense modifications down or up, they're in there and they've got all their gear and they're in their little castle where there is no hassle. They're not going to fuck it up for everybody else in the room. And they're going to, they're, they're going to be able to get their work done in, in a more productive fashion because their shit's on top of them. They don't need to march across the gym and parade around um, grabbing all their stuff. It's just on them. And, um, and so, you know, I wholeheartedly agree with that, you know, and, and this is coming from somebody who has participated in the games as an athlete and has coached teams to the games and loved that. It was so fun, but it's, You know Those things can exist, but what's most important is that those 92% of people that can sometimes feel like they're invisible in a CrossFit gym, um, that we are investing all of the cash that's going, the the, the big cash that's coming from those 92% of people that just want to get in a great class experience and work hard, uh, that we're putting it back into their experience. Now, I think that there is probably some sort of, if we grow enough and we can make a pencil, there is an opportunity to create... In the back of the halos, maybe some space that's a little bit less confined, where people can sort of, um, you know, do their own thing, um, or more of an open, open gym plan back there. But the, I do know this from experience that even if you look at that and you're like, "Oh, I could go back there and do my own thing," I know where you're actually going to be. You're going to be in the halo because that's the environment that we're running everybody through that people want to participate in. And the nice thing about to the the system from a programming standpoint is we can program the coolest shit in the context of group that it is not feasible for other people to program because of the four station rotation and all the other things we can program awesome shit like like we can do deadlifts and 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 go like as an example, like toes to bar or strict pull-ups, we can go those two movements and we can all do it together in synergy as a group, like on the minute, whereas you can't do that stuff.
0: You would need a 120 foot rig for a class of 30. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I I get it. So this is something that did you, were there any movements that maybe because you wanted to by design or now because of just the, uh, the, you know, the limitations or the, you know, the, the benefits in my opinion of of a halo like Mm -hmm. our wall walks and handstand push-ups and like are there any movements that had to get removed whether by design with halo or by your own choice because the movement classification you just did not want in your
1: your brand anymore that's right yeah you can't do wall walks you can't do handstand push-ups um and uh and, you, and we're okay with that. Um, it's You can still, I you do think, have the
0: wall ball target. You
1: have a wall ball target.
0: So those were right. the three that I, I couldn't stand. Everyone's like, what's your problem with these three movements? I'm like, they make the person leave their spot. You don't right. understand. It's the whole fucking point is they have to stay in one spot. And because I right. we didn't have a rig, you know, wall balls had to be out because I couldn't have them leaving their spot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we may do, you know, the, the we've got a growth mindset around the halos. We feel like there's some opportunities for improvement. We're working on a prototype of plexi that can fold down quickly. That um, we could just kick up again and sure. do some some inversion stuff. But you know, our mo is that we are no bullshit, which means we're no bullshit training. I mean, we're gonna do movements that get you fit, but we're also not gonna do movements that we feel are bullshit, that are stupid human tricks that aren't like it's like a strict dumbbell press, right? A strict dumbbell press or a push press. I mean, that stuff is way safer for more people. And, um, and, it, and it drives good outcomes. Now, there's probably some, some you know, I s- suppose a nod that we need to give to some inversions that are safe, but no stupid human tricks is important to us because I know from experience that shit fucks people up. 100%. And I've seen a lot of people that are earlier on in their fitness journeys that get hurt you know, either their neck gets injured cause they're trying to kip and the axial loading and compression and stuff like that. It's just a really sketchy situation. And um, so, um, so we, we, we do everything else though. Like we do program snatches, but on those days it's snatch or clean. It's the same exact movement pattern. One's more technical. Yeah. More complex, less complex, whatever you're feeling. Right. Yep. Right. And um, so, but you know, as far as like uh, inversions are concerned uh, you know, we're, we're not doing those in the context of group now. Now, during open halos, those ones that are against the wall, people kick up and they do their thing and they're happy and we're happy.
0: Open halos mean the open gym version of your schedule.
1: Yeah, Got exactly. It. Now,
0: um, so every halo comes equipped with some med balls, dumbbells, kettlebells how did you determine what weights to put in there type scenario for that? I mean, cause everything's gotta be, again, it's all about at this, at this level, guys, you heard him, he's doing $9,000 per spot. Um, you know, let's say again, he's got 18 at this location. Let you know, just do 20 for easy math, 180 grand invested in this thing. We need that 180 grand to be consistent every single fucking time. We'll talk about the franchising, the replication of this, but the big thing with replication is the reduction of raw materials and the, and the things that go in. So Steven's able to churn out a dozen franchisees. He might be able to get rogue to create that industrious package and then do so at a discount or talk to rep or fringe or one of these guys, right? So, Exactly. How about when you start thinking of like, okay, well, fuck, are we doing 15s and 20s and 20? No, we can't do 25. Like, how did, what did you end up on? Like with those kind of things? Because those are, those are questions that these, you know, you me are these guys, were the programmers, the coaches like, wait, wait, did they go 50s or did they go like, what, what
1: weights did they pick? Yep. So each, each halo has a full set of weights. And by full set, we've got two sets of 45s, a set of 35s, a set of twenty fives, a set of 15s, a set of tens, and then change weight of five, two and a half, one and a quarter, and then a set of callers, and that makes up the train. And um, because one of the things that we haven't gotten to yet is on Mondays and Tuesdays. To your point, operational capacity is a challenge. You know, our demand is greatly higher than our supply, and um, and so you know that's that's a barrier to our success. So um, what Means we do here selling out classes. Is- exactly yeah so like our classes are i mean they're just sold out and so um so what we started doing is on mondays tuesdays and saturdays the most popular days of the week we open up class capacity to double our halo capacity so instead of 19 now we've got 38 and and we partner people up in halos one person can be in the treadmill while the other person is slamming a barbell around like a wild man and making all that mess but they're in their confined zone and so we can rotate you know our, and we learned i learned that from berries when we oh, dropped yeah. into berries back in 2019 i was like we could do this in our context yeah um, and uh so it's uh you know now all of a sudden on those higher demand days monday tuesday saturdays we can get everybody through but we need that full set of weights
0: yeah and it's uh and on the plates what'd you guys go up would you what plate package you go up to per halo
1: rogue echoes the cheap ones that yeah. are just black with white lettering up to how much weight in total like what was the weight package oh shoot i'd have to do the math it's uh, i just know it's two 245 uh two sets of 45s um a set of 35s set of 25s set of 15s and a set of 10 so it was that the 360 pound yeah. package or something like that perfect cool
0: yeah. very cool um, it's, um, I just, I love this. So I want to talk a little bit about like business model and literally, uh, this is, literally right now, this is where I would just, if you and me were sitting down having a, a cup of coffee or a beer and I was visiting you, I'd be like, so I'm currently working like this. I'm a big fan. Um, I don't know if you get the newsletter or whatever, but I've been talking a lot about this hybrid model and this hybrid model I love for people who have, you know, group fitness classes, but I truly believe we cannot be educating These functional fitness customers for going on over 20 years and not have them look at your workout of the day and be like, that's not bad, but I really want to get those Ben Patrick hamstrings. I really want to go do some stuff over here. I want to go work on my biceps, my arms, and that workout just doesn't do that for me. Or I want to follow Philly, Marcus Philly, or whatever it may be. And then having this open gym or this ability to now be able to do this. Because the problem is is once that happens, those individuals are relic to go join an online programming company. And then yeah. they have to go find an they have to go find an open gym model, a globo gym or YMCA as a functional fitness area. Yeah. So this hybrid model I really like, but I look at something like what you've created now. Again, essentially this collegiate weightlifting room for amazing functional fitness. And mm-hmm. let's just say at some point, for whatever reason, the group fitness thing became less – popular. like your population of people were so advanced. They've been doing this for 7, 8, 12, 13 years. They like working out in a group, but they all have something different. One's following an endurance program from Henshaw. One's following fucking um, Mind Pump or whatever those guys are. Like whatever. Everyone's following their own shit. You literally could go 24-7 access, people reserve a halo for X amount of time and go in there and do open gym, your own thing. And everyone's like, well, what about the community? The thing with it, man, and any of us who grew up in a Gold's gym, A globo gym knows that 6 p.m is popping because of the community there it's just they're not all doing the same thing but it's the bodies around you also doing work that makes you do work or makes you think people are watching you even though they may or may not actually be doing but i just i I love what i'm seeing here because again if if group fitness for whatever reason fell out of trend and it guys i'm not i'm all I'm saying is everything in fitness is cyclical. So in fucking yeah. nine years, we come out I'm like, man, group fitness was really big for about 20 years. And then it kind of went back to this open gym globo kind of thing. I'm seeing more facilities in the in the open gym model open up that look very much like industrious where you come in, you rent a spot, everything you fucking need is right there. And um, I, I just I think you've got a lot of opportunity. The One thing I like about this, we'll talk about your franchising in a second. Mm-hmm. I don't think it locks people in. So if I were going to franchise an Orange Theory, I'm fucking (laughs) locked into one thing, right? That's that's an Orange Theory franchise locked in. Worst case scenario, I franchise with Industrious. And this, for whatever reason, something in the world shits the bed. I could pivot because the one thing I've got this equipment that is not like a pre core elliptical that's going to cost me $250 a month of maintenance and it cost me seven grand to get. I've got nine grand of functional fitness equipment that will, for the most part, especially in a supply chain shortage and an inflation hike, preserve its value very, very well, if not maybe exceed it. Yeah. And, um, Yeah. I just, if you get like, has like that kind of, if you had those thoughts, I'm sure you
1: have. Absolutely. I think that all of that went into the decision calculus because it was such a big, bold, expensive move. And it, I mean, it was a swing for the fence. It was going to work or I was going to be bankrupt. And, uh, and so, you know, the, the decision calculus was intense. And, um, but these were things that I absolutely considered, you know, if, if we, you know, we can go with an individualized model with this, we could go to a PT model with this. We could go to, we could run unbelievable group with this, um, you know, whereas our old system was, uh, it was just not set up for that. If, if, if it lost its trendiness, um, it, it would have been really, really difficult. And, you know, I think that the owners of gyms, you know, if they're, if they're special and they're, they're really good at what they do, they're always going to be able to create and, and build around them. Um, but you know, it, the, the calendar isn't doing them any favors. I know now, cause I'm 41 years old. <laughs> and so, um, so, you know, eventually that, uh, that, that timeline does catch up. And so, you know, for me, it was important that, um, that we were, we were factoring in pivots because it was an uncertain environment. And, and I think that if it, if it taught us anything, it teaches us that we, you know, the way that it was is not the way that it's going to be, even if you did everything right. And so, yeah, so it's, um, I'm super excited about those prospects. Um, I I think that, um, you know, for us it's, what's nice is that we can predict now, whereas in our old model, we didn't know, like we couldn't do the, we couldn't reverse engineer the math to understand, okay, how many members per Halo uh, or how many members does one Halo support? Um, you know what is the what is the top line on a halo? What's the, the bottom line on a halo? How do you do that in your old model? Yeah, and and how do you 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 know how do you really figure out okay what is the ideal floor plan for scalability before you make massive real estate investments and then you end up bankrupt? I, so you the,
0: know? that's what I always thought was my genius in Urban Movement's license model, right? Before the whole retiring thing, the genius there was. Nobody has to start fresh. I can retro date any fucking existing micro jam CrossFit affiliate because that's what I did. I exactly did that just like you did. You retrofitted the old model for this new in place model. And that yeah. is very appealing versus, you know, I work with franchisees who are, you know, looking to open up a metabolic or a 440 or whatever it may be. And now they got to go get new real estate for their new thing and the new equipment package and all that stuff. You know, so let's, let's talk about this. So you have now opted, you got these two locations up and going, right? We're talking a business model that has a proof of concept since 2011, but it's got this refined package now that I truly believe is unique in the space. I can say that undoubtedly it is unique. And now we're going with the, um, you went the franchise route. Yeah. So you actually went and you organized your FDD docs. Yep. You have all that. So somebody can sign in on disclosure, pay you probably a little bit of money so they can see your secret sauce, right? Yep. Essentially these FDD docs yep. and go down that journey. Now, I was 45% down that way during co- then COVID, and then I paused and I'm like, oh, let's go license. You know, maybe totally. I was talking to Jason and Jim Crowell over at OPEX and Board30 and, and, and you know, Box and Flow and some other companies. But that's, that's where we ended up pushing towards did you mm-hmm. ever have the license versus franchise thought? But like, where and how did, why did you land on
1: franchise? Yeah, so I, I did have the licensing thought. Um, I feel like the, the the brand was was nice um, in in it special for sure. Uh, but the old system, you know, I I was really super concerned that the brand would have ended up on brick and mortars and on people's shirts that were not good value fits. And um, and it wouldn't happen
0: to CrossFit to happen to industrials. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I've got a shitty warehouse in the back of it. So I'm just going to slap the hammer and ax on the building and everything should be fine. Um, I was really, really concerned about that because, uh, you know, our our brand is super important to us. So I wanted the barriers to entry to be extremely high. And that may be counterintuitive, but I do think in terms of if the franchising model or licensing or any of it's going to be successful, You know, the first five to 10, it's so vitally important that they have tremendous success. And so I would rather pour all of my time, energy, and effort getting those first five to 10 right and be okay with the timeline, um, knowing that it will go real fast once we reach those milestones. Um, And and so that's why I didn't go down the licensing path. I thought that franchising was a better fit. Not that we'd want to only exclusively franchise. There's markets that are, that I'd love to be operating company owned stores in. Um, but, um, but you know, there's, there's certain markets that, you know, I just, we can't get there. I I can't get there. You know, my team, we we can get there to visit.
0: And let's be real. Like there comes a certain point when you've sold the fitness for as long as you have, and you've come up with something new, I'm not going to lie. It is nice to now sell business Instead of fitness, like, everyone's like, man, you, you don't want to open up your own urban movement. I'm like, bro, I've been selling memberships since 2006. OK, now I'm selling businesses because that's one thing I've done really well. I've created a business. Anybody can sell a membership right now. There's a lot of people right. selling memberships. There's no one selling my unique urban movement model. That's what uh, is attractive to me at this stage of my career. I just had my kid a couple of years. Like so. And you understand this. You've got a family. You know, you're still you look fucking great, buddy. Uh, you look <laughs> great. Um, you have 40. I was like, I was like, I'm 36. steven has got to be 35, like fucking. Um, so talk to me about this. Yeah. You're sitting there. You're looking at the franchise thing, wait, um, and it, we can share as much or as little as we want. But like, who'd you have to do your FDD docs? Did you have the franchise guys do it out of California? Like, was there a company you hired for the FDD? Did you just kick it off to a lawyer who does
1: this? Yeah, no, we hired a, a consulting firm called uh, Franchise Marketing Systems that helped us do all of that. There's no way that we would have been able to do it yeah. on our own.
0: No, yeah, um, Yeah,
1: they do a good job. Um, yep. I was impressed with. The, the way that their team works. it was something that was affordable given where we were at um, with the pandemic and uncertainty on revenue and, um, and they got us over the finish line and you know I, I think that you know in terms of like seeking like and we, we, we responded to or just a lot of bids and some were super high like very very expensive. and um, did you guys still to, did you guys get into still- six figures with yours? Yeah. Yeah, we got it. So for everyone
0: listening, just so when we think like it's affordable, we're still talking like the six figures, it's still very expensive. It's still very expensive.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a huge investment and it still comes down to your ability to sell the first five and make the first five successful. And so that went into like, who did we pick? Did we pick the one that was like the most expensive um, or the one that was least expensive or the one that was sort of like like right in the middle that, you know, could get us across the finish line, get us to that place where we felt like we could, um, you know, sell the first one and, um, and make them successful and then, um, go from there.
0: When did you land? What did you launch and announce that you were franchising?
1: Uh, last month. So, uh, so it was, it was early April 15th. I apologize. April 15th.
0: Had you, like, so where are we at now? Are there certain, do you have, you know, I remember, so for Urban with the licensing, you know, we did it and we had like 40 fucking people on the site filling out apps, doing the whole thing. We're doing background checks, the whole process, but that's licensed. It was much less expensive, less, like you know, kind of thing, a franchise- significant, much more upfront cost. You've got to be able to pay to play. You've got to show your financially capital liquid worthy to get into this game. Cause we're going to talk about these operating expenses here in a second with this model, which is probably one of the things you really got to sell people on when you're talking right. about $9,000 of investment per spot. Um, how, so currently right now, how many P pe- are you, how many like people or applications or whatever you currently like
1: combing through and thinking about? Yep. So the, so we've had 10 people uh, fill out the application uh, awesome. so far. Right. Um, and out of uh, out of those ten, we've we've landed on two that are qualified, um, and um, one is just sort of in you know, a holding pattern, uh, and then the other one is getting really close, and that's local in the Seattle area, and I, I think it. they're going to crush it. Yeah, dude, yeah. I,
0: I absolutely love that. So I I got with Jim Crowell and asked him to kind of help you know mentor me during this process and talk to me. About, oh right. he, he he done such a great job with OPEX's license model, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I remember asking how he's like, how many do you want to start with? I was like, I think five, like five is like my thing. Cause again, like you think about this, like you could shit the bed and go like, you know, I don't, I have no problem saying this. Uh, Jason, when Kalipa, I interviewed Jason, when he launched the NC fit model and oh, he, was right. up, he was up to like 85 within a year. And then we got, we got back on the podcast like a year later. I was like, so how's like, going? It's like way too many, way too quickly. Right. Like you yeah. can, you can, um, so Awesome. So we're, I love, I love that small number as far as that goes now. And you're, you didn't do any formal, did you guys do more, do you guys use any ad spend or anything for that? Or is this just organic getting the word out about the franchise?
1: It's all organic right now. Yeah. So we haven't done, we haven't really pushed. Um, we're just now getting to the point where we're going to start really getting strategic around designing the funnel. How many podcasts but again, besides your own
0: have you been on to talk about this?
1: Uh, two. This is, this is my second one yeah, yeah. this we, is my after, second one. once we get off here
0: i want to just do whatever i can to help be shove you over to other guys podcasts and stuff like that to get yeah. it on because i do i truly love what you're doing man
1: yeah i um, know i love this that
0: is so fucking exciting okay so you got on some podcasts all organic which is nice because you do i mean i've got guys i work with that i'm like how'd you okay i'm gonna help you with this franchise how how did you find them i do mean, I know saw an ad I'm like oh god damn it like that's just all right let's let's talk about it um now let's talk about what I think my, my guess is, one business guy to another, when you're selling this to people, this upfront cost. Now, again, there's going to be a franchise fee. You got to pay some money upfront, right? There's going to be this. So let's say the average franchise fee is around thirty dollars to $40,000, which is ballpark yeah. that for anything else in the fitness industry. I don't know what yours yep. is. But um, now you're talking an upfit, so like non-equipment-based couple, I mean, regular outfit, you know, is around 150 yeah. bucks to 200 plus dollars a square foot right now with lack of supply and equipment and all that. So if you go into a shell space, that's 6,000 square feet. Do you guys, what mm-hmm. size box or rectangle do you like to see? Like if you got to pick the perfect size?
1: Yep. Um, uh, 6,000 uh, 6, square feet is truly the perfect size. And that's for, uh, for breathing room as well as um, the the 20 halos, to t- 20 to 21 uh, halos that could be on the floor. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, we really like the, there's something about, I, I we haven't seen it all the way up to like 24, 27, 30 halos. Um, we don't know that yet, but I do think that the sweet spot from a unit economic standpoint um, and profitability standpoint is going to be, 21 halos. I'm almost certain of
0: it. Yeah. I, um, I tell people if you're going to go with group, again, group fitness to make money minus an obnoxiously high price point that is two to two and a half X higher than whatever, you, you know, if you're going to run with 10, you got to be about two and a half times higher than the market. Um, yeah. For something like this, though, again, it's still, you know, 20 of these is still $180,000 of just equipment cost. Right. Stack on a few hundred thousand dollars extra for upfit and things like that and signage yeah. or whatever. And I'm not sure how deep you guys are going into like residential DJ booths. Is <laughs> anyway, There's such a music element to this brand. Again, guys, go back. I'll, I'll link out the fucking uh, the podcast we did where we talked music for an hour. Is that, yeah. I mean, is that just, that's a nice to have but not needed type scenario? Because you've got the app now. Like they don't need the live right. DJ because the app's so good.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So BeatsRX gets them, gets them their music fix for sure, and that's what we play in the gyms. And so you know the DJ booths in the gyms are more or less symbolic, but we bring in our DJs for live events and community-based events, and just let them do their thing, and it's it's awesome. Like we had our DJ in for the Halo games, and um, but you know I think that for for us, so when when people are considering opening up a gym, you know our model on average is going to be six hundred and sixty-four thousand one hundred and fifty bucks. On the low side, it's 395,800. And on the high side, it's 932,500. So from and 300
0: to 900, and what's the biggest thing that factors that in?
1: Like what? most of, yeah, yeah. So um, furniture, pictures and equipment is the biggest thing, right? So outfitting the halos is $250,000. And then leasehold improvements, You know, depending on what, if it's a sub or what's going on, I mean, you know, that can get really expensive on the low side, let's say it's pretty turnkey. You're at 50,000 on the high side, it's uh, 400. And so those are the two big ones that, that really make that sort of initial investment hard. And then you've got like real estate deposits and, you know, computer systems and, um, you know, signage, you know, those things are 20 to $40,000 each themselves, uh, or can be. Yes. And, um, so, yeah, everyone uh, listening
0: and listening to Steven's numbers. So earlier I mentioned, you know, around 150 to $250 per square foot for construction cost. And if anyone did the math on that, let's just say you took the 150 times six, 6,000 square feet. That's about a $900,000. But remember, these are big open shelves. You're not actually upfitting all 6,000 square feet. You're probably upfitting the bathrooms, the the lobby area, like actually upfitting you know, so you're probably talking you're only outfitting maybe 2,000 square feet of that whole building at that cost of, let's call it on the low end, 150 bucks per square foot. So that might be a $300,000 upfit. If you need HVAC, you got to pull permits, get a city tap for, you know, new water line because you have showers and shit, whatever it may be. Uh, right. It's always more money than people. They're like, ah, oh, my girlfriend's dad's a contractor. This will cost like
1: $12, right? I'm like,
0: brother. You are so fucked. Like, <laughs> we need, we need to sit down in here. You have a come to Jesus meeting.
1: No, truly. Yeah. No. Whenever I hear that, I'm like, well, do you want to be running a legal business or yeah, an yeah, illegal yeah. business? <laughs> yeah.
0: Now at twenty yeah. or twenty people per class, right? Like, uh-huh. you know, right now your busiest facility. How many classes a day are you running?
1: Yeah. So, um, oh boy, that's a that's actually a good question. So. Um, So we've got, uh, let's see, five in the morning, uh, one in the mid-morning, so that's six, two uh, around the lunch hour, so that's eight, Eight. and then, let's see, 245, 340, 435, 530, 635, 720, so what is that, 14 14, classes, 14 classes?
0: yeah. So at 14 classes, if we can get 20 people in there, we can service 280 people per day. Um, and I've, I've got a video on how I've walked people through this, but essentially this is how you take OpCap and you can back into what you need to be charging monthly for. Like, okay, if I can see 280 people per day, right. And I know the average person comes three times per week. Like you can just kind of start backing into, okay, so the average person is now going to come three times per week. But what do I need to charge in order to have this? So, um, Uh, If you don't mind sharing, do you mind sharing any like membership numbers or like where things
1: are at business wise? Totally. Yeah. So we have um, so our our total memberships right now are at seven hundred and forty one members between the two locations. Three hundred and fifty of them are in um, Linwood and then the remainder, about four hundred of them are in South Lake Union. One is
0: suburban. One is urban interesting what do you what do you think would be better obviously industrious plays a little bit better like i visually probably in a metropolitan urban area but uh have you found that the industrious brand is still doing kicking well with the moms
1: and dads and the burbs it is yeah yeah absolutely it's uh you know i again because of you know the again that 92 percent of people that we built them for um you know i feel like it's it's resonating really really well with them now there was a lot of people from our old system that uh that have moved on and not not a lot a lot I mean but enough there's probably 20 to 30 people that you know our system was no longer what they were looking for in their gym and that's and they've moved on to other gyms that are a little bit more traditional or old school in their approach and um but uh down in down in you know our our urban gym you know it's a different environment down here, as you know, like, I mean, these are, these are highly lease dependent gym membership tenures, And um, so as people move into the area, they, they sign a 12 month lease or a two year lease on their apartment. And then usually beyond that, they're either going to stay urban, which is great. we love that. Or they're going to be moving out of the city. Well, the pandemic, you know, everybody moved out of the city. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and nobody was coming into the city. So that was a really challenging environment. And my, what what gives me comfort is that, um, you know, we, we attracted enough people, um, into this urban environment that was, that was not pretty. Um, and, uh, for a long time that, uh, you know, we still made it pencil and South Lake union, the urban gym does perform, you know, a lot better in terms of, um, of just foot traffic, drop-ins, memberships sold, converted, all that stuff. Yeah.
0: I love, um, I love this. I got I got a question and maybe some maybe some people are like thinking this as they're listening to this and they're wondering why I haven't asked you yet. So you don't run with CrossFit language at all anymore. And you've obviously built a brand big enough to stand on. Going forward, I I don't you know, you're going if you were anything like me, um, I was not looking to corporately own another location. I was looking to then create other locations, use OPM, other people's money and allow them to open up urban movements. I had no interest sure. in opening another one. If you did, would you affiliate it?
1: And if, if you would. Why? Yeah, I, I would say yes. Um, and the reason being is because, you know, it, it, it's a nod, but I continue to see some things that are positive um, that in terms of the, the direction of CrossFit and the brand, and what they're doing for affiliates that I actually feel like is valuable. Like they're, they're doing stuff now that's, that's helpful. Um, whereas before I felt like the only thing they were doing that was helpful was they were just providing a ton of marketing firepower and, um, in community gathering through the, through the games. And that was really the big value add, but, you know, I do think in terms of, you know, the move, some of the workouts that we program as part of our class experience, you know, one of those segments is a CrossFit workout, you know, whether we call it a CrossFit workout or whether we call it functional fitness or whatever, that component is a a true to form couplet, triplet, chipper, whatever It, it just is. So I would love to continue to just be like, yeah, these are industrious gyms and we're CrossFit affiliates because we program CrossFit workouts within here, but that's we do a lot of other fun stuff on top of it. Like we do bodybuilding. Oh yeah. yeah. The, I, I, yeah. Saw, I
0: was looking at your workouts before you got on the pod. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to so. make a, I want to make a very bold predict. I want to make a statement. Uh, and I want to make a bold prediction about you and what I think is going to be happening. And then maybe we can reference this one day in a few years and I can recall it. But yeah. one of the things when I first licensed urban, I remember talking to my staff, like, man, I really fucked us. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, me not keeping the CrossFit affiliation. And for guys like you and me in the positions with business, $3,000 is a drop. It's, a, it's, it's not a line item we're too worried about, right, spending. Like right. you said, it was a nod. Like I just did it because I, I, if I ever met Greg Glassman, I would cry. I like <laughs> yeah. He's like on my Mount Rushmore of influential people in my life, right? So Sure. But think about like had I kept CrossFit affiliation and I had done something – and I hadn't retired, and this thing would have gone on and done really well, I'm now in the camp where other CrossFit gyms would look at me and be like, you're one of us, we accept that. Because the second I got rid of the CrossFit affiliation, I was blacklisted. I mean, just like, I'm not a part, you know, people still this day, like, oh, he, that, you know, it's you're not part of the same thing. You're right. staying a CrossFit affiliate, and you do this well, brother. And this thing expands. You get a fucking knock on the door one day from whoever the fuck the CEO is at that point, point, be like, listen, man. I got to admit, we've been really trying to help kind of angle the business model in a little bit. You seem to have landed. I like, I just think from a business perspective, because I know people are listening to this like Stu hammering because he doesn't need to use CrossFit anymore and he can get rid of the affiliation because he's created his own brand. He doesn't need it. I think it's a smart fucking play. Number one, you're loyal to it. You love it. It's your origin story. And there's no reason to drop it. Like there's right. it's just like, it's like being a part of an organization like that doesn't need right. to live anywhere in your marketing. But goddamn, if this thing does what I think it could do and what I think you know what it can do, and other costs is like that's a smarter way to fucking do it. And that picks up organically, one of two things happen. You grow multiple locations and they see you franchised and they you're out. You get booted, right? You get the blacklist, <laughs> right.
1: right? Right. Or
0: they come knocking on the door and say, let's talk. Like we want to we want to know more about how like how this could be a smarter way for our affiliates to run their model. Cause I believe the in-place model
1: is 100% the route to go. You there? Lose yeah, your I'm, there. I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, yeah. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back.
0: No worries. Anyway, or like I was just saying, I think they come knocking on your door and they're like, dude, let's talk because I think, I think what you've created might be the best route for us to push the affiliate mod, the affiliates.
1: Yeah, totally. And, you know, that was the thing that went through it is, you know, in my mind was, look, they're either going to say, get these guys out of here because they're a threat, or what they're going to do is they're going to, and then I guess that we're going to be competing against them, which nobody wants that. I think it's completely unnecessary. I think that, you know, we're smart people, they're smart people, and there's, there's a way of delivering CrossFit and coupling it with a with a model that is successful, that is sustainable, that is a could be a value to a lot of affiliate owners that might be struggling. And um, and so I'm all about like let's team up, let's do this, like let's let's change more lives, let's let's help more affiliates lead better lives themselves, and create more opportunities for their teams. And um, you know it, it it doesn't have to be sort of a this way or that way. It just I think that there's an opportunity for um, for us to do, you know, really good things. And we want to help.
0: Steven, I've got, uh, 15 cities that I'm doing in 12, in 12 weeks in travel. And I'll probably take a good breather then, but I would love man for us to, I would, I would love to come on out, bring the camera set up, do a shoot the shit with you and just get some full on fucking content of yeah of the model and what you've done um and come hang out in washington for a little bit but brother listen i i thank you so much for taking the time to to jam with me it's so good to reconnect and in talk shop if anyone's interested like they're you know they were googling this fucking thing while they were driving anyway and they now want to talk maybe about your franchise opportunities what is the best way for them to get in
1: contact with you yep the best way to do it is just go to the website it's workhardlivefit.com slash franchise review all the stuff um, if you're interested fill out the form um to get more information all of like the 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 stuff on what does it cost what are the what is the initial fees ongoing fees you can all get that right on the website just by filling out your information Um, after you fill out your information um, we'll we'll reach out we'll submit and we'll give you an application if we think you're a good values fit um and then uh and then they can uh if, if they fill out the application then um, then we'll pre-qualify them and then then we'll start making moves. But just work com slash franchising or I'm sorry, slash franchise. Um, and uh, and and and
0: we'll talk. Awesome. Steven, dude, thank you so much for coming on today, man. This is great. I'm very excited for you.
1: Thanks, Stu.